Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Danny Meringue. I found two empty bottles of a particularly decent Chateau de Loire Bordeaux 57 in your rubbish. Dusty Hera. You went through my garbage? This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app. I find it particularly offensive that you use them to wash down an order from something called Macho Taco. And Portland's sports leader, 1080. I would never drink a Bordeaux with a Macho Taco. The Fan. It was a burrito machissimo. All right, hour number three, Danny and Dusty with you on this final day of February. Thanks for being a part of our day, letting us be a part of yours. All right. Coach is confidential. Um, This is always interesting, and the Athletic does a really good job of kind of putting this out out there. The first place I remember seeing it was uh, like Bleacher Report used to do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but we have Recruiting Confidential Pac-12 edition about the 2023 class. Uh, This came out just yesterday, um, where they take seven coaches in the conference and they grant them anonymity so they can say whatever they want about whoever they want throughout it. And I I thought it was really interesting because of, uh, you know, when you get to hear the honest opinion of these guys, when the camera's in front of you and your face is attached to it, obviously you're going to be saying all the right things because, you know, you don't want the bad headline to come and bite you in the butt later. But um, I think it, there's some pretty fascinating answers. I'm not going to give you all of them because they're... It's a long story. Boring. But, yeah, there are some interesting tidbits and nuggets, especially about the local schools. Mm-hmm. You know, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, the future of the Pac-12. And this is from coaches within, within the conference. Yes. Um, and when you get to hear their unabashed opinion of it, some are are hitting the panic button and others are pretty okay with where the conference is at. I I don't like this as a baseline for journalism. No. But if you all if you here's the thing, with anything like this, they they, they list like who the coaches are in the sense of like their position, yeah, like an assistant, assistant coach, coach yeah. or recruiting staff or, or analyst. But read every single answer with this in mind. Who does this impact positively? Who does it impact negatively? Yeah. Use critical thinking when you're reading these answers or hearing these answers. Because there's there's intention behind a lot of it. But there's also some good stuff to glean from it, uh, particularly when, it, when, you, when they're clearly talking about programs that aren't in their well, immediate circle. And there's a lot of stuff that it's not. Uh, that's why you don't read all of the answers or all of the questions, because mm-hmm. the stuff just on, you know, they ask, you know, some of the questions are like, uh, which Pac-12 recruiting class imp- impressed you the most? Right. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, a lot of them are like Oregon, USC. You know, one guy says Oregon State in the transfer portal, yeah. which I think is 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 poignant. But uh, I there's one coach who is an assistant coach in the Pac-12. He says none. Being in my former conference, looking at our classes. Uh, in the SEC and Big Ten, it's not close as far as the pedigree of football players that schools are being able to bring in. The West is not enough anymore. You won't win with just players from the West. You're going to win with players from the East, from Texas all the way to Florida. That is that is something that, yeah. yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and that is, I don't think... You aren't getting, you aren't getting linemen out of the West Coast anymore. No, and... The one school that is going out and grabbing linemen from the south and back east is Oregon, yes. because they, with Mario Cristobal, he gave them a reputation. Yeah, and that give Dan Landing and his staff credit, maintaining it, continuing to go mm-hmm. down there and and get those guys. Now, one, it's a completely different question, but one of them said, which is the hardest part of uh, which school has the hardest time recruiting, and. I thought that this was really interesting. It says, I've got a different opinion of Washington State and Oregon State. They have, uh, Washington State and Oregon State have the pleasure of kids delaying gratification, which mm-hmm. is huge. They've got more time with their prospects. It's harder with USC because your turnover can be very fast. You have a receiver on the bench at a big school, and if you don't play, that MFR is had 40 offers last year. Somebody's going to take his ass versus the backup <laughs> receiver at Oregon state. It's kind of works against you. I don't want this MF. He was the backup at Oregon state. You get more time with players at the non sexier schools. Somebody might give USC one year, but a lot, because a lot of those kids go to blue bloods and uh, pull out the ruler early. The kid at Oregon state is not pulling out the ruler and seeing where he lines up and getting his, getting in his feelings, which is why Jonathan Smith, the guys they recruit, it's not about stars. It's about system and platform for development. Yep. They, they look at a kid. They don't, they don't look at the three, the six foot six, 330 pounder no. for their offensive line. They see the six foot four, 275 pound kid with a frame that goes, in two years, we can have that kid up to 315, 330 and have him be an absolute monster. It's development. Yes. It's developmental program, and you get kids that are wired to that. And then Oregon State also has the benefit of being one of those 40 offers to the USC kid. Mm-hmm. And so they made the offer, they just didn't make the cut. And so when that kid gets disgruntled, Oregon State's going, Yeah, we'll take you. <laughs> like, hey, come on down, let's go. And so I found that an interesting response because a majority of the answers from the coaches that they asked was Oregon State and Washington State. A couple of them said Cal and Stanford. Which, yes, those are the ones that should fall in there. Yeah, I mean... Academic recruiting and not giving a crap about football. It's really interesting. Both. How that goes down. Coming kind of hand-to-hand. Yeah. Um if, if there, the question was asked, what's been the biggest surprise within the league the past recruiting cycle? Um, and, and you get like Dion, just because now they can talk to anybody, which is different. Um, but Kenny Dillingham at, at Arizona State, they're saying he brought the juice. But this was a, a fascinating one for me. Utah. They've picked it up the last three or four seasons, but they did a really nice job with their class. They're starting to recruit where it correlates to their on-field performance. I think they got great fits for their program. That's the scary one right there. Like, that is the scary one 
for the Pac-12 is Utah has been that Oregon State, and this is where Oregon State needs to start transitioning to. And one of the coaches gave them credit uh, saying, you know, pound for pound, I think Oregon State did a great job identifying four-star Aiden Childs early was a great job by them. What Utah has always done is kind of been out of that Oregon State mold, which is, especially with their linemen, we will find a, a frame, we'll develop that frame. And then we'll see where he's at. They go get those poly boys and they develop them. Now what Utah is doing is they're climbing out of that and kind of it has one foot in that in those waters mm-hmm. and a foot in the four and five star waters. And if that's where Oregon State wants to climb to, yes. right? You you gotta get that cachet. But the fact that Utah and the coaches and, and the recruiting staffers are sitting there going, Yeah, they're they're starting to figure it out now. And mm-hmm. the kids are starting to realize, hey, Utah's gone to back-to-back Rose Bowls. Utah's back-to-back Pac-12 champs. They have They get that quarterback there. transfer from Texas and Cam Rising, who ends up being a developmental stud. They they get a Clark Phillips. You know, they they start landing guy after guy after guy, and they start putting guys in the league. Yep. And that's what matters. And it's not that they're just putting guys in the league. They're putting good players yep. in the league. Um, another question was, how do you think realignment will impact recruiting in the league? I think this is where you get honest answers. Yes. This is one of the ones where I, I, I thought every answer was pretty spot on when you hear, uh, from Andrew Nemec recruiting show with Andrew Nemec here on the fam. He says, you know, a lot of the kids, they don't, they don't really watch a lot of football because they're off going on visits and they got their own seasons that they're worrying about. And so they don't, they don't really follow. They just are into the recruiting and they know which programs are a big deal, but they don't really follow along with the ins and outs of, of college football, which is so different from what it used to be. So you have, uh, Coaches saying, like a recruiting staffer said, from where we sit, I don't think we felt it at all. Initially, it was like, well, are you guys going to end up in another conference? That hurts the cell, but I haven't felt it at all. Everyone's trying to understand it right now. It's a little cloudy for me. Uh, Staffer, too, I don't think it'll impact recruiting until USC and UCLA actually leave. Uh, Another one said it really hasn't come up. Uh, I didn't really see the effect of it, says another. I think a lot of kids are chasing NIL and branding. I don't know if they care about that stuff, really. And uh, another staffer said, we definitely felt it this summer. I think it steered some guys the other way, too. Um, Which, In that regard, I think you're talking about the schools that are competing directly with USC and UCLA for recruits. But here is one coach that I think he gave his he's he was a coach two in this. Don't he's a he's an assistant coach somewhere. Mm-hmm. This dude did not hold back no, at, quite bold at all. Quite bold throughout the entire stretch. Yeah, and he he did he was taking shots everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like he did not care. He said, in my opinion, I think the Pac-12 is finished. If you had SMU in San Diego State, that's like trying to put a band-aid on in a pool. That's not sexy. Well, putting a band on a band-aid on anywhere is not sexy. No, but putting it on a pool, definitely not great. It's not effective when you when you're trying to do it in a pool. Gotta, that, gotta go full flex seal. I understand I understand that. You can put that on anywhere. <laughs> that guy, screen door, boat, takeoff, going. Um so I thought those were those were really interesting. How, um if you had to guess, would you say that he is uh assistant coach at USC or UCLA or in the other ten? Because I think he's definitely from the the former. Uh, did you yeah. read, reading through his? Answers? I think he is. I think he's a USC coach because no. here is something that uh, Duck fans will love. Which assistant coach in the league has impressed you in recruiting? Um, Demi- Demetrius Martin. He got high marks from. Basically-
basically everyone. Everyone, including Coach too. Yes, <laughs> he got. He, I mean, and, and he is regarded as one of the best recruiters uh, in the Pac-12. But um, this this coach, Coach Two, he ended ended it with. I mean, he said the Jamarcus Shepard, Washington's receivers coach. Uh, he's done really good stuff there. But at the very end. He slid in uh, U.S. two coaches at USC, so I think he might be a USC coach. But he he slid in Zach Hansen at USC and uh, Dennis Simmons at USC too. Mm-hmm. So I think he's probably a USC. That's coach. that's what I thought too. And he did give Oregon a lot of love, but I think yeah. he also gave like he was giving Oregon love in the sense of like I almost the way he talks about it is like they're great for the Pac-12. Like yeah. he was almost like talking about how USC and UCLA are already gone. They're right. not. They're not worried about competing with Oregon in the NIL landscape. Yeah. And here is here is what I think everybody at Oregon State wants to hear. Um, outside of Demetrius Martin, which I think all but one yes, coach. Yes, all but one had Demetrius Martin. Had yes. Demetrius Martin. Uh, Oregon State, one coach said uh, Jim Molchek. That's the – Molchek is the uh, offensive line coach. At Oregon State, he mm-hmm. said, does a really good job of identifying what he needs. Uh, he went on to say that Jerry Neuheisel is sneakily building a name for himself in recruiting, which I've heard that too. Rick That's Rick Neuheisel's kid, kid yeah, yeah. Who's, who's been at USC or UCLA for a while. Um, another staffer said, you know who's always a pain in our ass? Oregon State tight ends coach Brian Wozniak. <laughs> he does a really good job. Trent Trent Bray, Trent Bray, the D.C. at Oregon State, I think he's great, too. And then Washington's Jamarcus Shepard, he's made his presence felt. Um, uh, NIL setups, it won't surprise you at all. Those were kind of boring. It's all Oregon and USC. Yeah. But, I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we've, we've talked about this a million times. The only, the only school that can get involved on this, on this level and then surpass them is Stanford. Yeah. Uh, coach 2, Mr. Vocal Coach mm-hmm. 2, he said Oregon has the best NIL setup and it's not even close. Oregon is the only school in the Pac-12 that's to be feared from a national standpoint because Oregon can go to whatever region it wants to and come out victorious. That's the boogeyman in the league, the Pac-Man in the Pac-12 from an NIL standpoint. Everybody else is just child's play. See, and that reads to me like uh, I'm leaving. You're gonna. Uh, it's not yeah. gonna be my problem. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what that reads like to me. When I was re- when I went through that one, I was like, "Yeah, good luck dealing with this crap, guys. We can hang. Y'all can't. Good luck." Uh, <laughs> this was great. Uh, what did they say about Deion Sanders? Mm. We'll get to D because, boy, it, this was actually split in Coach Two. <laughs> Coach Two came out so winging. Yes, he did. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Danny and Dusty on the fan. All right, uh... Pac-12 coaches, they gave their unfiltered opinion on recruiting. Seven 
coaches and recruiting staffers around the Pac-12 spoke on the condition of anonymity to the athletic. And uh, we're going through some of the answers, and I think it's pretty entertaining that you get to see a look at what how the coaches feel. Um, but the question was asked, what have you made of Dion's recruiting so far at Colorado? Dion Sanders gets the number one uh, corner in the country, gets a host of his re- uh, transfers from Jackson State as well. Um, well and, boy, it kind of runs the gamut. As w- Coach One says, I think he's doing a hell of a job. Social media is doing a great job with that. They're getting better players than they've had. Uh, I think he's putting Colorado on the map. You know, he's not wrong. There is something interesting about what what that coach says on social media. Because mm-hmm. Deion Sanders Jr. is the guy who does all of their video editing oh. and runs their social media accounts. Do you think maybe he has some insight into a coaching office that maybe other social media managers and directors it, don't have? Yeah, it, that may be one of the hires that that is one that may pay off big time for Colorado. Because he's a young man who gets it. He gets that, it. There's his, a trust there where yeah. his dad can share information with him. And he knows whatever he posts, he's going to get a slap on the wrist from his dad. Yeah. You know? he And they do a really good job with their no, socials. No, they, they do a fantastic job. Um, so that's, that's going to be an interesting one to follow. Here's Coach 2, <laughs> who, boy, uh, we've already read you a lot of what Coach 2 has said. He's, he's been letting her rip. He said, Dion's getting who he's supposed to get. He's going to get the kids who love the hype, the status, the clout, the fame, the fortune. He's going to get those kids. I'm not worried about Dion until I start seeing a big old 200-pound defensive lineman committing to Dion. Then I'll be worried. You can have all the skill guys you want, but if you don't have anyone to block for him, what's that going to do for you? That's a great point, too. But the flip side of this is Colorado wasn't getting the skill position guys either before no. this. No. So it is a it is an upturn. Yes, it is. And they will be better markedly improved yes they, they they will not be the laughing stock of the, of the conference no but um there is still a lot to prove and you know there's is one of the guys says we'll see it's just a lot of hype right now um another said i think dion knows himself and goes about it in a way where he feels comfortable and confident that's his wheelhouse that's prime that's where he, there's always been some flash he's unique in his approach in attracting kids in the attracting the kids' personalities that are going to fit with him. He's got a plan, so I'm not critical of it at all. He's a sharp individual, and he's a sharp people around him. You've got to do something to flip that roster. It wasn't a good team. It wasn't a good roster. Um, I will I will be fascinated to see Dion. Um, uh, he has got an uphill battle against him at Colorado just because of how bad they were. Yes. And... He he did a really good job of turning Jackson State into a competent team in two years, mm-hmm. but it's not this like is a they, different world. This is a different world with different athletes. Like what he did at Jackson State was he beat teams, and not every team, by the way, but he beat teams when he had superior talent. Yes, across the board. Across the board, that's not the case no. anymore. Shador Sanders isn't the best quarterback in the conference hell he might not even be in the top five quarterbacks in the conference probably not this year he may be in the bottom closer to the bottom yeah. closer to the bottom than he is the top um of the 12 quarterbacks because it's a loaded quarterback it's, conference it's the best year. quarterback conference in the country next year yeah and 
there's a lot of really damn good quarterbacks um, in the Pac-12. That's going to be hard for Colorado because, look, they played in the Celebration Bowl this year. They didn't win it. Mm-hmm. They didn't win it last year either. You know, which they they do have. They did take some L's. So that's going to be a fascinating one for me. But he does. They didn't go Alabama on but on the uh, HBCU. What he also did though is he improved his coaching staff. He brings in Mike, Mike Zimmer mm-hmm. as his defensive coordinator. Who that guy was an one, NFL coach. Well, he's one of the best defensive yeah. coordinators in the NFL. Um, so he's going to be an interesting to watch, interesting one to watch. But they need to have an uptick on their personnel too because yes. you need the Hog Mollies to win. Which they've already gotten better. It's going to be interesting to see, interesting to see just how much better. They are going to be. Yeah. Um, all right. Which program do you think recruits better than they get credit for? Um, Coach one, Oregon State does a really good job recruiting there. Gosh dang, it's a tough place to win. Coach two, Utah. They're really consistent now with what they go for. They're really thorough in their evalu- evaluations, and they get out into Texas and try to bring some of those players in. They do not get enough credit for that. Mm-hmm. Kyle Whittingham's staff. They do a fantastic job in the state of Texas. Game rising. Yeah. Well, yes, but they go in and they pluck their running backs out of there. They'll go into Southern California and Texas, and they have used their location as, hey, it's easy in and out. We are a hub airport. We can get you to wherever you need to be uh, on a direct flight, and it is short. They have they've done a phenomenal job of that. Um, Stafford won. Ultimately, what Oregon State does is the most impressive because of how they recruit and how they develop. They recruit to their program's strengths and their system strengths. Stafford, too, says Oregon State. They recruit for their system. They're not going to always wow you with stars or anything like that, but they're going to recruit for their system and recruit at a high level for what they want and what they need. Like This is fascinating because these guys aren't sitting in the same room, but they all know exactly what we all know about Oregon State here locally. Yes. These guys are all separated just they're submitting their answers that are that are sent to them um in their questions uh this this is an interesting one oregon state staff is probably one of the best recruiting staffs based on having limited resources to work with i think jonathan smith and that staff have done a great job iding their guys and getting guys who fit with what they do in their culture they got aiden childs but they id'd a kid who turned out to be one of the top quarterback prospects in the country the kid is a program changer for him uh, defensive lineman Kelsey Howard is a great pickup. Offensive tackle Jacob Anderson from Montana, great pickup. Cornerback Adrian Piper Jordan Jr., he's going to be a great player for him. Uh, he's a guy who I wish we would have gone after. Like, I mean, gushing yes, and reviews about And Oregon they're talking State. about Aiden Childs because the, the Beavers identified him. He was, a, you know, a two-star guy. Yeah. Like, he wasn't a guy who was rated Yeah, when they first started looking at him. But, again, they saw the outlines of, hey, there's a – kid with some athleticism and an arm he's really skinny but there's some stuff there but let's keep tabs on him and they build that relationship very early on and they're able to nab a four-star quarterback who's a dual threat kid who a lot of people that i've talked to think he can be special yeah oh absolutely and they do too these are these people in the recruiting circles they all believe it it's an interesting read man and uh, a lot of praise and love come into Oregon and Oregon State's way um, from the staffers and coaches in, in the conference. And I think that that is that's really interesting to, to read because on one side, it's because Dan Lanning and, and Oregon have been able to pick up what Mario Cristobal handed them and they're continuing to run with it. 
On the other hand, it's Oregon State, and one of the staffers says it's not really recruiting what Oregon State does. It's evaluating. Yeah. Because what they're doing is getting their claws into kids before anybody else notices. And then, like the Aiden Childs thing, yes. that's how you get them. That's how you get them. Get right there, there early and make sure yeah. your evaluations are good before they start showing all of the goods that, you know, the bigger schools are going to just swoop in and take. Yep. All right. Um, Another interesting note is of the Pac-12 schools, nine of them are recruiting at a higher clip than they have in their five-year averages or 10-year averages last year. Uh, The three schools that did not recruit better than they have over five- and 10-year average, Stanford, they had the 45th best recruiting class this past year. Their five-year average was 29th. Their 10-year average is 25th best recruiting class. Uh, Washington State had the 63rd best recruiting class. Five-year average was 61.8, and 10-year average was 55. And then Cal, the 85th best recruiting uh, class of 2023. They were 60th over the last five years, 55th over the last 10. So nine of your 12 schools are recruiting better than they have been before. I think that's saying uh, that's, it means Pac-12 is in a really good place. They're in a better a better position than they were. But those three schools are in a tougher place than they've been in quite some time. I won't oh. say toughest place ever for Stanford because uh, they had the Buddy Teeth years before Harbaugh got there. Yes, yeah, that was really bad. But they need they need a massive overhaul and a recommitment to football. And David Shaw stepped away, um, and so they've got they've got a bigger uphill climb, even even than just that. All right, 503-864-6326. That's the fan text line. Uh, Blazers, heading to the Bay tonight. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Here's Rust with SportsCenter. This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, the fan. All right, 503-864-6326. Um, <laughs> somebody's really fired up about this. Uh, it says, what about with Dion? What he said about the families of quarterbacks in, in defensive linemen. You're not even going to mention Dion said that he can't take a quarterback from a broken home or anything? Yeah, did you hear that? You hear that? I did, and I know... Um, he went on the Rich Eisen show. and he, I know a lot of people are feeling a... Different ways about it. Yeah, I don't give an S if your parents are married or not. He said, if you missed it, Deion Sanders said that uh, when they're recruiting, he wants a quarterback whose mom and dad are both in the picture uh, and, you know, GPA, other stuff. He said that then a defensive lineman wants from a broken home and, you know, all that jazz. Well, we can have a better discussion about that maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but with... I'm not surprised. I'm not either. And not just by Dion, just by, I mean, honestly, simple psychology. Oh, no, I'm just not surprised because Dion Sanders played for Bobby Bowden. Like, Dion played for, like, Bobby, that's how Bobby Bowden recruited. Yes. Like, 
I, I think of where he kind of learned his framework of how you mm-hmm. build a football team, and a lot of the stuff that he does is Bobby Bowden-esque with the Dion flair to it. Yes, because that's how you got to be successful now. And uh, I, I that's why I was I wasn't surprised because that's how he is. It right? No, I don't think he's right at all. No, I mean, I, I, I absolutely one hundred percent think that you can find plenty of quarterbacks whose parents are divorced. You can find plenty of people from both sides of that fence in, in football and in life that yeah. had total, you know, family kumbaya that yeah. are abject failures in everything that they do. And you can find people who come from entirely broken homes who are some of the most successful and uh, well-adjusted people on this planet. Yeah. But I, my, my point about the simple psychology stuff is this, this, these kind of tropes in general, they're prevalent, not just in football and Dion, but in sports. Like the the whole idea of like what what drives certain mentalities and like the very simple psychology of things is like you want a guy who's nasty and so to get some nasty you want a guy who came from the streets and there's there's some truth to that in essence. Mm-hmm. Look at the NBA in general. Most of those guys did not grow up in houses and gated communities. No, but then again, the flip side of that is most people don't grow up in gated communities and all that money. Yeah. So there's, there's, it's, it's easy to say that, but also like, well, if you pull the layer back a little bit further, it's also not, a, it's, it's not even a bit of a red herring. It is, but it sounds good in the sense of like, not what he said sounds good, but the, the idea behind it and what drives it. And then you look at it and go, that's very dumb. Yeah. We'll find out how, how stuck to that Dion is when a five-star quarterback, <laughs> five-star quarterback. with <laughs> a divorced parent says, I want to go to Colorado. Like, uh, it's great that he can say that, but is he going to stand by it? See, no. Let's see what happens when it gets put to the grindstone. No. And, look, he just eliminated statistically half of the kids that he will be recruiting to play quarterback by that. So, you know, it it is what it is. I think that Dion saying that publicly, I think a lot of uh, people like that person would be surprised that that's how, I won't say a lot, but he's not the only coach that feels that way. And there are a lot of old school coaches and old school theories yes. on how you recruit in that vein. 100%. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like It's very prevalent in, again, not just in football, but in sports. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. But I just did. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, as, that's honestly, <laughs> that's as much as I, that, that's the most that I want to delve into that. Yeah. Um, because I, I do. Well, I think it's worth noting, I guess, but I think it's a a story it, it, of it, outrage. It's it's hokey. It's it's hokey psychology. I'm just bummed that I could not have played quarterback for Dion because my parents got a divorce. Oh, yeah. is that is that what held you back? I yeah, that's what held me back when I think Dion was still mm. in the NFL when I was playing. Mine was my tiny hands. Oh, no. yeah. Yeah, that dang. Yeah, both my parents together. It was the tiny hands that got me. Do you smell yeah. like cabbage too? Wow. Are you a carny? A carny? I guess technically I he am because I, I did work at a carnival once. <laughs> you did? Yeah, I did. When I was 16. Ring toss. Where? Uh, Tigered. Look at you go. Yeah. This was great money back then. Okay. It was like 15 bucks an hour. That is good money. Yeah, back sixteen then. years old. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I was a ring toss guy. All right. It was rigged. Everybody. It's how, rigged. How? 
How's it rigged? When to actually get like the size difference between the ring and the and the jars you had to yeah. get it was like a little fish fish bowl. Yeah. It's to get the ring on there is perfect. Like it's yeah. there's less than a half of a half of a centimeter. I had uh, I hit two at one at the Washington wow. County Fair one year. Is I'm that not, the one one at St. Mary's? No, the Washington County Fair. It's at the Washington County Fairgrounds. That's where it's at. By the oh, airport. Right. By the oh, Air, right. airport. What, what's the one that was there right, right across the street from the old Kmart? Boy, the, I the, can't the, tell you You know that. what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. I want to say know. the Good Neighbor days, but that wasn't no. it because that was in a different park in Beaverton. I spent a lot of money to get those two, though. That's what I mean. Yeah. They, they I gave got you, it. What did you win? I don't know. I don't even remember. Not, maybe, even, not even memorable? I think it was like a, uh, a couple basketballs, maybe. Mm, okay. Yeah. That made my hands like uh, my hands would break out in rashes because of the, the the rubber on the basketballs. It was contaminated. I, I had very sen- I had very sensitive skin. Your hands would break out in rashes because of the balls that you touched. Boy, you just dropped yourself, brother. <laughs> brother. <laughs> yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if Jeff Rust has that one pulled by the end of the show. <laughs> The, 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 here's here's the here's the thing for everybody. But yes, Jeff, <laughs> that was the case for everybody wondering. Yeah. No, in fact, I did not mm. get the ladies while working as a car. Uh, I saw it's Joe not, Dirt did it. Not not the pull that you think it is. Mm. I can't imagine why not. No, the stupid hat and the striped apron were not uh, as conducive to that. As <laughs> but like I said, fifteen bucks an hour back in uh, to ninety eight. Ninety eight. Ninety nine. Yeah. That's good money right there. So, yeah, not too bad. All right. Um, let's go Blazers Warriors tonight. Um, can they it's on. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Stumble to the kitchen for myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets. Dolly Parton and National Treasure. You know, I was just thinking, I always bounce to this song, but at the same time, don't like Dolly Parton. What? The plastic face. How do you not like it's the, the plastic face? Can't do it. Well, she's got a plastic face, but she's got a heart of gold. Sure, it's, but it's like her and Joan Rivers and who yeah. did I see the other day? Just had a tremendous amount of plastic surgery. I was just like Kenny Rogers. Is he one too? <laughs> his eyes just don't look the same. Oh God, his chickens were so good too. Boy, he gambled <laughs> on that plastic <laughs> surgery and he lost. Yeah, he should have folded him. <laughs> well, you got to know when well, to fold him. He knows when to hold his face very tight. When to fold him. Uh, okay, let's take a gander here. Damian Lillard Damian. got hosed in January for NBA Player of the Month. Well. <clears throat> Not entirely. I thought he did. Nicole Jokic did average a triple double, and they were like eleven and two in the month. Yeah, but he, how about this? Nikola Jokic having a better month. <laughs> <laughs> Last month he averaged twenty four points, eleven rebounds, eleven assists. Uh, this month twenty three and a half points, fourteen rebounds, ten assists. Also averaging a triple double this month. Mm. Good news is he doesn't play tonight, so maybe the recency bias will get 
uh, Damian Lillard, Western Conference Player of the Month. Also, Nikola Jokic didn't drop 70 and 60 and 50 yep. in the month. Yep, yep. All Dame had in January was uh, 60 and 50. 50. <laughs> Dude, what he's doing is insane. No, it it is quite literally uh. the best scoring run in 20 years. Kobe Bryant's 2003 run, which is marked as basically modern basketball's greatest scoring run. Damian Lillard is marveling. Yeah, well, uh, he looks to get another 40 spot tonight, taking on the Golden State Warriors. What, you don't trust Jordan Poole's going to lock him down? No. Are they going to put Poole or Clay on him, you think? I mean, I I don't think you can put Clay on him. He's not the guy he used to be. But you can Jordan Poole. You know who I think they'll put on him is uh, Dante. White, uh, DiVincenzo? Old, old white Dante. Dante DiVincenzo. Yep. Yeah. No, he, and he's the actually a, he's, he's, he's a plus defender. All right. So maybe it is DiVincenzo that, that gets that nod. They'll go Good DiVincenzo. Luck, uh, they would normally opt with Wiggins with, yeah, if oh, he was Wiggins healthy. Wiggins is a no-brainer. Yes. Um, I think they'll probably spend some time with Kaminga on him just because of his size and strength and length. Uh, guarding Damian Lillard is not a one-person job. It's it's a multiple person job, so uh, it'll it'll be interesting. If I'm the Warriors and Steve Kerr knows how to scheme against Damian Lillard, I trap him from the opening possession of the game, and I make literally everybody else. Draymond played? No, Dre's out. Well, Dre's. I think he was actually no. I think he was upgraded He's to probable. probable. Yeah, so he was upgraded. So he will play too. So it, oh, it says questionable on ESPN. That was from yesterday, though. This is today. no. He, he was updated this morning. Okay, good. Probable. probable. Yeah. Oh, look at him go. So with Lillard, it hasn't even been just in February. If you go back to his fifty point night on January twelfth, yeah. mm-hmm. he's still averaging thirty nine point four points. Well, uh, if you go back to the first, shooting fifty two percent and forty one percent from three. Yeah, if you go back to literally the turn of the calendar, I mentioned this yesterday. Thirty seven. Uh, thir- it's thirty six and a half, seven point four, four point seven shooting. Uh, forty nine point nine from the field, thirty eight point two from three, and I want to say ninety two point eight from the free throw line. Yeah, and they had a virtual tie for the final play in spot. Yeah, awesome. again, t- games are mattering. The, the, I was being sarcastic. No, no, but I was turning. <laughs> really? I was. I know. I was literally. <laughs> turning. He one. looked. He looked very. He was like, Didn't yeah. On no, 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 no. <laughs> no. I was to say the play-in yeah. tournament has made March games matter because there's four yeah. or five teams that normally right now before the play-in tournament they're turning the keys off, man. Mm-hmm. Well, now, hey. because of the play-in tournament, you've got four or five other teams with minus the Lakers now who are all like, all right, let's go for this. They are uh, only two games out of sixth. They're three games out of fourth. Yeah. That's crazy. That's insane. That is crazy. Uh, but they are also... Three games out of 13th. Yeah. Well, one game out of 13th. <laughs> Oklahoma City's 28-32, Blazers 29-31. Oh, okay, yeah. It's, it's the loss <laughs> column thing, yeah. I mean, it's one game, man. That's crazy to me. Um, that, But, yeah, they're one game. It's And this is where... It's a log jam in the West, and tonight you don't have um, a fully loaded Golden State Warriors team that you're going up against, uh, and that's the best news you could have because the Blazers, you want to talk about non-fully loaded team, no Ant, no Nurk, no Justice, mm-hmm. again. Um, Taking on gonna a be, uh, Warriors team with no Steph and no Wiggins. It's going to be an uphill climb. Yep, well, it's going to be forget, an uphill climb. Don't forget no trainer Ryan Archie Diacono. There you go. So uh, go ahead and uh, it's a road game. So join uh, Sprague and I tonight for the uh, watch party with Jack Ramsey's. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Seven.
uh, go follow the Jack Ramsey's and, and you guys put up a little teaser right before the party starts. Yep. And uh, if you want to, go out and check the uh, interview I just did with Trenton Watford. It's fun. <gasps> Love it. Old T. Watt. Two. What? Uh, it sounds a lot better than it, when it's written. Yes. Yeah, does not look good on yeah. paper. No, not good on paper. All right, uh, up next you got primetime. Isaac Ropp, who's having a great day. Jason Sukanik, who I haven't seen today. Assuming he's having a great day as well. We'll see you tomorrow from noon to three. Mm, bye. Big butts matter. Your mm. hands would break out in rashes because of the balls that you touched.